Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We are going to continue um, in Joshua 1. We're talking about uh, mission this week, but Joshua 1, verse 10. Um, you can read along with me. It said, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise." And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So last week we started our Breaking Ground series in Joshua and we talked about vision and this, this week is kind of the second part of that, it's mission. And, and so if you, you missed last week, um, go listen to that sermon because I won't explain all of the vision but I'm going to give it to you right here. And so this is, this is our vision that God's given us for Trinity Life Church, it's discovering identity and destiny in Christ through 5,600 people influencing our city through 560 organizations, and influencing our world through, 50, through planting 56 churches. Now, if you need all the background on that, that was last week. Um, this week, we're talking about mission. And, and so vision, again, is what God is calling us to out there. What do we see us being? What does he want us to be? It's that, that I gave a picture of a, uh, an illustration of a puzzle last week. It's the, the box top for the puzzle. That's out there. But mission is what are we doing today to make that a reality. So how do we live it out? How do you as an individual live it out as part of a corporate body of Christ and how do we live that out together? That's mission. So that's what we're talking about today. So how many of you guys have been on a mission trip before? Wow, like, wow, a bunch of you guys, okay. Um, so we do, uh, we do trips here in, at Trinity Life Church to Bethlehem. We don't call them mission trips because they're, it's, a little, it's a little different. Um, we, we, we talk about engagement here. So we engage our city. We engage in, in Bethlehem. We engage around the world in other places. Um, and so, but whether you call it a mission trip or an engagement trip, you need to know what you're doing when you go. You need to know what to expect. You need to know how to prepare. You need to know uh, what to bring with you. 
right? So our, one of our first trips, probably, I think it was our first trip as a church, uh, when we, we took a team, uh, Daniel came with us, and, and uh, Melanie came with us, and then it was, I think it was just Seth and I, right? And, and those two, right? And, and uh, we took this trip as a church, and we did a, we did a uh, poor job of preparing Daniel and Melanie what, we, we did a poor job of communicating what the mission was. So they didn't really know how to prepare, they didn't really know what to expect, and they didn't really know what to bring. And the first sign of this was when we got to the airport, and Dan, all Daniel had was a carry-on and a backpack for a 10-day trip in Bethlehem. And again, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, he's just a light packer. Like, that's, that's all. Um, maybe he just packed really tightly. Maybe he got those space saver bags <laughs> and just like stuffed it in there, you know. Um, and then we get there, and the second sign was he was wearing like workout shorts and a workout t-shirt the first couple days. And I was like, okay, maybe... He brought other clothes, but that's all he's wearing right now. Um, and if you know Daniel, he doesn't wear workout, he doesn't really ever wear shorts. But, and he rarely wears short sleeves, although he has short sleeves on this morning. But this is all he had, so it was clothes that I'd never even really seen him in before in Toronto. And I was like, okay, something's up here. So we come to find out, Daniel, that's all he had packed. Well, on this trip, it's not a typical missions trip where we're, or may, I don't know what you've been involved in, where you go and do some work, or you go and build something, or you go and uh, do some sort of labor to help people out. It's an engagement trip. So we go and we meet with city leaders. We're meeting with leaders of hospitals. We're meeting with leaders of organizations. We're meeting with leaders of, <laughs> they're all leaders. That's the point. And, and, and the second thing is, it's an Arabic culture. It's an Arab culture, I should say. So n almost nobody wears shorts. <laughs> like, especially, if you, especially for, for men, you're not, you're not wearing shorts unless you're a, a young kid. And that's all that Daniel had brought <laughs> because we didn't prepare him well. He didn't actually, we didn't actually communicate the mission to him. But so even though most of it was, was my fault, Seth's fault. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, we'll share the blame. <laughs> even, though, even though most of it was my fault, Dan, some of it was Daniel's fault too. Because he had assumed, based on past experience, what he should do. He assumed, based on past experience, he should pack this way. He assumed, based on past experience, we we're going to be doing this. He assumed, based on past experience, he was going to be doing this. And so this morning... What I'm, my responsibility this morning is to get us all on the same page with mission. It's for me to communicate clearly what we didn't do for Daniel, is to communicate the mission to you guys, to get us all on the same page. But your responsibility this morning is to figure out what you should prepare for, what, what you should expect, and what you should bring in light of that mission, okay? Some of you guys have past experience church baggage that you shouldn't bring into this vision and this mission. Some of you guys have past experience, uh, family background baggage that you shouldn't bring into this vision and this mission. 
And so what, what I want us to do, and here's the bottom line for today, is figure out what's going to help us in the mission and what's going to hinder us in the mission. So all throughout, if you don't remember anything else for mission today, remember this. In order to help the mission, you need to leave what will hinder the mission. Okay? So hopefully, as you think about the bags you're going to pack, uh, as you go through this mission, you're going to figure out what you need to bring to help and, and what you need to leave behind that's going to hinder. Okay, so that we can actually be united and live on mission together. All right, let's go to, let's go to Joshua here. Actually, before we get there, let me give you our mission statement, and then we'll take this all throughout the book of Joshua. So if you've been around Trinity Life Church at, for any uh, length of time, you should know this is our mission statement. So our vision is what I put up earlier with the numbers, right? This is our mission statement. It's, it's very similar. So if you remember one, you should almost remember the, the other one, right? It's discovering identity and destiny in Christ, influencing our city and the world. Now this, so the ordering to this is very particular, and, and it's very specific to what God wants us to live out as the church. And so, so discovering identity in Christ is, is primary because that is foundational to who you are. That's foundational to who we are as a body of Christ. If you put destiny before identity, you've messed things up. And a lot of, a lot of us want to say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And, when, and, and we're putting, actually, we're putting influence before destiny, before identity. So that's the influence portion. It's specific to you. But we all have the same identity in Christ, and we all have the same destiny or purpose in Christ. It's the same for everybody. No, no matter who you are, you all have the same identity because it's in Christ, and you all have the same destiny and purpose because that's in Christ. Okay, so what you're actually praying for when you say, God, what do you want me to do, is how out of that identity and destiny you are to influence. That's particular to your personality, your background, your upbringing, your, your cultural background, your schooling, uh, your, uh, your work experience, your talents, your resources, your, you know, on and on and on and on. That's how you influence our city and the world. And a lot of us go straight to that because we want to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? But your identity in Christ isn't there yet. Or it's, it's, it's shaky, right? And, and you need to first focus on your identity in Christ, that you are a, that you're a child of God, that you are approved in Christ already before you do anything else, that you're already approved. This is Jesus, right? He shows us this example. He gets baptized, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has done nothing. He hasn't done anything in his ministry yet. Right? He hasn't started his ministry. His ministry starts the next chapter. So he's already approved uh, based on his sonship. So for us, we are approved based on his sonship in Christ Jesus, right? That is your identity in Christ. If you could get that right, if you could fully understand, if you could fully grasp that uh, uh, who you are in Christ, then you can go to your destiny in Christ and you will be released into it. Okay, because people ask all the time, or people ask all the time about destiny and purpose, but uh, their identity isn't, they don't fully understand their identity yet. And, and do you know how we know that? You know how I know that? When I talk to people, how I know they, they don't know their full identity in Christ? Because they have no idea what this book says about them. They have no idea. 
So think about that. For you here sitting here this morning, do you know your identity in Christ? And you may know pieces of it, but if you, if you don't know this book, this is how we know our identity in Christ, guys. This Bible right here is how we know it. And if you only know, I say this all the time, right? If you only know, like, this, this is the New Testament here. <laughs> if you only know this much of it, right here, look at how much you're missing. You're missing all of this right here of your identity in Christ. So if this is all you know, then your identity in Christ is, is just was not fully formed at the very least, right? So if you want to be firm in your identity in Christ, you have to know what this book says about you. You have to know what it says about Christ, right? So then we have destiny in Christ, and again, that's the same for everybody. We're all to be ministers of reconciliation. We're all to be salt and light. We're all to love our enemies. We're all to be people of integrity. We're all to put aside anger and lust. This is all Sermon on the Mount, guys. We're all to build our foundation on Christ Jesus and hear and obey what he says. This is all what Jesus says uh, after his baptism in his, first, in his first sermon. We're all to do those things. So if you're wondering what, what God wants you to do with your life, start with the things we already know here in this book, right? And we know we're supposed to be doing these things. You know you're supposed to be sharing your faith. Well, if you don't share your faith, why do you expect God to show you other things that you're supposed to be doing when you're not doing the things he's already told you to do, right? So if we're gonna live on mission, we gotta do the things he's already told us to do first together, right? Because if we're not doing those things, then why do we expect God to tell us these other things? You guys following me there? So destiny in Christ, that's all the same for us. And then, then we can influence, okay? Now, that's a perfect ideal world. In our sinful, fallen world, they all kind of happen simultaneously at the same time, and we are influencing, we are being salt and light, even though we don't understand the fullness here and we don't understand the fullness of destiny here. And that's okay. There's room for failure. There's room for falling. There's room for us... Like, guys, our leadership team, we probably fall on our face three times a day. Like, there's, there's room for that, right? We, uh, something uh, we always say in our leadership team is, this is a safe place to fail. So guys, this is a safe place to fail. We can go forward in what we know of our identity now and what we know of our destiny, and we can try to influence, and we can fail, and we can learn, and we can carry each other's burdens, we can pick each other back up, and then we can move forward again, not making the same mistakes, right? So... Don't hear me say that you got to get it all in order before you do this. That's ideal, right? We want to have that in order as much as possible. But that ordering is specific. So when you look at your life, if you're putting destiny in front of identity or influence in between identity and destiny or influence before identity and destiny, then you have some issues with how you're actually going to live out that mission, right? And, and that's what may be making you stumble. So look at that ordering and look at your life in that way. So let's, let's see how this plays out with the people of Israel in Joshua here. So they are, they're on the brink of entering into the promised land, right? They, they have been in the wilderness for years and years and years, and they're, they've been waiting for this, right? They're, they've been waiting for this specific moment in history to enter the promised land. And right before this verse, it just says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then, in verse 10, Joshua commands the officers 
of the people. So he goes around and he talks to all the leaders, right? Who are the leaders in, in our church? Right? Who, who are the people that if we went through here like Joshua, we would say, you need to step up and you need to do this? And you may say, well, I'm not necessarily a leader, uh, but you may not be yet. We have a, and we've designed something to get you there, right? Um, but think about that. Like, am I someone who, Joshua, when he would go through the camp, am I someone who believes in the mission that much, who believes in the vision that much, who would rise up and step up uh, as Joshua goes through the camp? And, and so we used the puzzle analogy last week, right? Um, you know, corners of the puzzle. You start with first. Then you go with the border of the puzzle. Then you do big pieces within, within the puzzle. So think about that. Where, where are you in that? Do you want to make up the border? Do you want to be one of those pieces that's like, yes, this is, this is the border. We are, we are leaders in, in this camp, like, like here in Joshua. Um, or, or even if you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm content with staying in the middle of the puzzle and doing my thing, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know what piece I am. I don't know how to fit my piece with this piece to make up this, this picture. We have... We have things designed to help you, and that's where the mission comes in. So if you're part of this church, uh, Missy mentioned BLG earlier. BLG is one of those environments that we've created. These are our body life groups, our our small groups, although it's more than a small group, so I hesitate calling it a small group because it's not your typical past experience small group, right? They're not Bible study groups. They're not prayer groups, although both those things may happen in there and usually do. Uh, they are cell church groups. The church happens in those groups. So if you're like, ah, I don't know where I belong in this, I don't know where my gifts are, I don't know where I am, BLG is the place for you. Like that is specifically crafted to help you discover your spiritual gifts. It's specifically crafted to live out the one another, the one another lifestyle, which is all about the New Testament. It's, it's not crafted for, for you to come and hear a teacher teach, go through a Bible study. It's not crafted for you to come and someone to pray over all of your, all of your problems. It's crafted to enliven the entire body of Christ who is present that night and to help them discover their spiritual gifts, to, to help them walk forward in their spiritual gifts. And, and it's a safe place to fail in your spiritual gifts. And it's to encourage and exhort and to bless one another. Guys, our BOG this past week Tuesday night, Midtown, um, all those things happened. Guys, it was so beautiful. I was like, uh, Daniel, Miss, and I were sitting there, and we're like, ah, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. We led with an apostolic vision for the night. Uh, I had heard the Lord say, like, let's let's just, I was reading this passage over and over again, and and I'd heard the Lord say, let's just just lay the groundwork with, with boldness. And that was it, just one word. That was like my part. That's all, I, that's all I did. And then it released Daniel and Missy and Cassandra and, and everyone else who was there, Gabby and Jamal and, and, and Josh, and we had uh, uh, conf- people were confessing sins, people were confessing failings, people were um, carrying one another's burdens, we were forgiving one another, we were loving one another, we were praying for one another, we were exhorting one another. Guys, we were correcting one another. We were rebuking one another. Like, all that happened that night, like where, where lies the enemy were rebuked and, and we built one another up and 
the, the prophetic gifting came in and the teaching gifting came in. And then we said, how do we go out with this? And the evangelistic, and the evangelistic came in and the shepherding gifting came in and said, let's, let's pray over these things. Guys, it was, it was amazing. That's a BLG. That's, that environment is where you come in and you get to walk forward in your gifts. And every time, Daniel would say, hey, what, what you did right there, that's this. What we did right there, that's, that's that. We just love one another. You just walk forward in the prophetic right there. And so it's encouraging everybody to say, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I recognize that. So in order to actually live out this mission, you got to be in an environment like that. Guys, this environment is, is fine. We love it. It's good. Uh, but, I mean, just, just look around. If you're here last week, there's only a quarter of the people here who were here last week who were here this week. Like, it changes. This environment shifts. You know, people come once a month, twice a month, all that. It's a culture-building time. It's a time to, to, um, to build up the church and to encourage and say, we're going this direction. But BLG is where you're going to experience life in the body. Okay? I mean, we have that environment for that specifically. So step into that. Uh, we have, they're on every night of the week almost, right? Except Fridays and... I don't know, Saturday? Yeah, so, and they're all across the city. So if you're not in one, like, and you want to live out this mission, you have to put yourself into one. Uh, and and just, just, what did Alex say? Just try it. Just, just try it. Uh, if you don't like it, keep on trying it. <laughs> keep on trying it. Uh, because it takes a while to build relationships, right? But each BOG is crafted to welcome people in hospitable environment. Guys, we do communion together every, I mean, like, what I mean by that is we have a meal together. Like, that's, that's communion. We remember Christ together. Like, the church did this every single day together. Well, this is just one night a week where we get to do this together as a church and then see the gifts of the body uh, operate. Uh, lead is another one of these things, guys. Uh, this is our, this is our um, what do you call it? Well, yeah, that's what it stands for, <laughs> leadership, equipping, and development. But it's our, our, our framework. There's a good word. It, it doesn't sound too harsh. It's our, it's our framework for equipping leaders. So if you're like, you know, I would love to, to be more a part of this. I'd love to lead, but I don't know how. I'm not equipped. I'm not where I should be. You know, guess what, guys? Here's a secret for, for most leaders, if they're honest with themselves. That's exactly what most leaders say every single day. Leaders who are exemplifying Christ. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do it. And Jesus, I need you to help me do this. I can't do this without you. That's, that's my attitude every single day. So lead is designed uh, to help you and to equip you and to develop you. It's not designed to just place you here. Oh, you want to do this? You're good at this? You're breathing? Okay, you go here. Um, it's designed to develop you into a kingdom resource for the Lord to use. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I don't know any churches who do that. I've never been a part of a church that does that. Like we, we, we don't do it perfectly. But we're doing something to help you guys uh, live out the mission and the vision and to live out your kingdom calling. Like, so... That is, so if you're like unsure, like jump into that. I ain't going on and on about all the things that we have, guys, for you to jump into. That'll lead you into a serve team. Uh, that'll lead you into, uh, into being salt and light in your workplace, into domain engagement, into the new common, into 
all these things. The possibilities are, are endless because they're defined by you. That's, that's what's beautiful about it. We don't say, we need you to do this. We discern that calling with you and then push you forward into your, your calling. Okay, so here we go. Joshua goes through, he commands the officers of the people, and he passes through the midst of the camp, and he commands the people. This is your call to action, guys. This is their call to action, right? He says, prepare your provisions, for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan, go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. He says, prepare your provisions. Guys, look at what you're supposed to bring with you and what you're not supposed to bring. There's two sides of that, right? It's not just what you're supposed to bring. You gotta figure out what I'm not supposed to bring. So if you're going camping, you don't need to bring your washing machine, right? You need to strap that to your back and go in with your washing machine. And for those of you guys who we do our TLC camping retreat with, you don't need your air mattress either, okay? Okay? Leave the electricity at home. You don't need your air mattresses. Uh, get horrible sleep like I do. Uh, but. They had to figure out what we need to leave behind and what we need to bring. For us guys, we have to do that. You have to do that. What's hindering you from accomplishing the mission? And what is going to help you from, to, to accomplish the mission? For, for some of us guys, this isn't a physical question. It's a spiritual one. What's hindering you from living on mission for Jesus is unforgiveness in your heart. What's hindering you is resentment for something that somebody said six months ago that they don't even know offended you. What's hindering you is, is your idol of success and you wanting to be uh, the person who everyone says, yeah, look at that, look at that guy. What's hindering you is you're not focused on Christ, you're focused on this relationship, whatever it is here. What's hindering you is something your, your dad said to you when you're growing up, and it still is like a knife into your heart. And you need to say to the Lord, take this. I renounce this in the name of Jesus, because I am a child of God, and what you say defines me, not what that person says defines me. What you need to say is, Jesus, you forgave me, so I forgive others. And you need to say, God, just open yourself up and say, God, what is hindering me from living on mission? You know, a lot of people talk about living on mission. A lot of people write books on it. A lot of people do conferences on it. A lot of people write blogs on it. But there are very few people actually living on mission for Jesus. And us as a church, we have lived on mission since the beginning. For those of you guys who are, new, who are newer to Trinity Life, we didn't start in a worship service. We didn't start in a Bible study group. We didn't start in a prayer group. We started by living on mission in our city and by working with our city. It was kingdom disciples engaging society, and then out of that arose the church stuff. But we were already the church by working with organizations in our city. We're just living on mission. And so if you are newer to Trinity Life, you didn't come into a, a church that just does the churchy things. We are a church on mission. Guys, we won't, we won't spend all our time and all our resources and all our, all our energy on the Sunday service. Like I said, we love this, it's great, this is potentially the only time during the week that we can all gather, although that's never happened, where we've all gathered on the same time, day, place, and that's okay. Uh, 
we're not going to put all our energy towards this. Now, we want to do it well and as well as we can with the amount of energy and resource we put into it, but our energy and resource and all that go out to the rest of the six days of the week. This is just one of those days. And we want to empower the church to live on mission on the rest of the days. And that's the type of church we are. So if you're, if you're here and you realize we don't have the best kids program, because we don't, because uh, we don't put all of our stuff into it and you're looking for that comfort, well, there's other churches who do it way better than we do because uh, we're not focused on that. Although we love, we love our kids. My kids, I have a seven and eight-year-old or eight and nine-year-old now. Oof. <laughs> don't tell them I said that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, eight and nine years old. Oh, my gosh. Guys, they've grown up in this ratty kids ministry. And they can hear, trust, and obey better than many adult Christians that I know. That's what we're concerned about. We're concerned about teaching them how to hear the voice of God, trust, and obey. Not if they have all the bells and whistles. Right? So where we want to focus is the things that are important that are tied to this mission. If our mission was to have the best kids program, well, then we'd do it a lot better. But that's not in our mission. It's to help them discover identity and destiny in Christ so that they can influence our city and our world. That's our mission. That's what we want to do for you. That's what we want to do for our city. Right? So Joshua here, he's going through the camp, and he says, prepare your provisions. Take only what's going to help you. Leave what's going to hinder you. And he gets to verse 12, and it says, and to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua says this. Now, what's about to happen is basically a direct replication of Deuteronomy chapter 3. So what, what Joshua's done is just said what Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy 3 is the same passage here. And he singles out three tribes, the tribe of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. Why does he do that? Why are those three out of the 12? Well, because when they were coming into the, to the promised land, remember, they're still on the other side of the Jordan, what's called Transjordan. So they're on the other side of the Jordan. Think the country of Jordan in your mind right now. Um, they have yet to cross the Jordan River, which would take them into uh, the other side, which is where Palestine is, which is where Israel is. So they, they're, they're over there, and they have already received their inheritance, those three tribes. Their land is on that side of the Jordan River. So they've already received it. They've already, they already have their allotted inheritance. They already have their quote-unquote rest. Okay? Those three tribes do. So that's why he's talking to them specifically, because right now, unity is of paramount importance. We can't leave three tribes over here while the nine go over here, because all 12 got the three tribes, their land over here. Does that make sense? So it's not like, oh, you got yours. Okay, we're going to stay here, and we go on. No, we helped you do that. Now you help us do this. And so that's why he's talking to these three tribes. In verse 13, he says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Guys, when you live out the mission of God for God, you'll experience rest. Almost everybody I talked to this morning, before, this, before the worship gathering, said, Ah, oh, 
it's just been a busy week. It's been, it's been hard, or these things have been going on, and it's, it's been difficult. Guys, when you live out the mission of God for God, you will experience his rest. And then I had someone say to me this morning, uh, she, she said I was feeling, she said I was feeling a little sick, and then I, I took Sabbath rest, and the Lord healed me. She's like, isn't that amazing that, you know, you, you and we were talking about this, like, you pursue God in Sabbath rest, and you experience God's rest, his healing, right? Like, if you want to hear about Sabbath and what that means, go listen to what, what five weeks of sermons ago, or six, seven weeks ago, um, I preached a sermon on Sabbath, and, and implement that in your life, because when you, when you live out on the mission of God, it shouldn't wear you out, because when you live out the mission of God and the gifts of God, you should experience life, not death. Now, physically, you may be tired, physically, you may be, but, but that's, that's uh, Kyle was saying this morning, it's all a matter of perspective, right? Like, you can experience some physical, we all, we're all pretty tired, right? Half of you are asleep this morning. So, <laughs> uh, but if you're living out on the mission of God for God, oh, all you have is life because you're operating in your spiritual gifts. And if you have proper rhythms in your life, like Sabbath rest as one example of that, or, or sleep as one example of that, then, then you'll have the rest of God too. Like he's given us these things. So, and he says, you, God is providing you a place of rest. This is his wholeness, his shalom, his peace. And he will give you this land. Isaiah uh, 1 verse 19 says, uh, you, when you, or if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the goodness of the land. You'll eat of it. You'll consume it. It will define you. Verse 14. He says, Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. So they had to leave something behind. Remember, these tribes, they had, they had already gotten their allotted inheritance. And Moses says, well, you have to, if you're going to help the rest of us, you're actually going to leave behind your love. You have to leave behind some responsibilities that you had before that, that you have to leave behind. You're going to have to leave behind your livelihood. You can't take your livestock with you. You got to leave that behind in order to accomplish the mission of God. And guys, uh, please, I'm going to make this explicit. So hear me, don't leave your spouse behind. That's not what the message of this passage is. Uh, as you know, he says, leave your wives. Somebody had, to, somebody had to go and somebody had to stay in this passage, right? And, and back in those days, and actually for most of history, only men went to war, okay? So uh, before you, yeah, just, just keep that in mind. And, and so someone had to stay and take care of the livelihood and the kids and the land and, and work really hard to do that and, and protect that. And somebody had to go forward and help the other tribes do this, to take their inheritance and to possess the land over here and to protect that, okay? So don't leave your wife behind because, and here's the thing, don't leave your husband behind either. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing about you married couples, real quick. God has given each of you to each other to live on mission for Jesus more than you would have apart from each other. Oh, that means you see, those of you who, um, 
are single, you may not even need someone who's married if you're living on mission for God right now. Because those of you who are married, the only reason you're sitting next to your spouse this morning, or Matt, your spouse is at work, uh, <laughs> but the only reason is for you to live on mission more fully for God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, if that's not the case, you're going to be happier without a spouse. He says, don't do it. Just live on mission for Jesus like I do, by myself. He says, the worldly responsibilities, they don't hinder me because I'm, I'm focused on Christ. So in this passage, ask, what worldly responsibilities are hindering me from, from living on mission for Jesus? Now, it, it could be a relationship. It could be, a, uh, it could be how you view that relationship, right? Like if, if I hang on every word that Missy says about me, whether she affirms me or whether she tears me down, which she does a lot, guys, so... Uh, she doesn't. Um, I don't know if she's ever torn me down. Um, you know, if I hung on to every word she, she, she gives to me, then I have my identity misplaced. You see that? I mean, it needs to be placed in Christ. If, you're, if your worldly responsibility of your job is distracting you, guys, don't let your job, your boss, your workplace dictate how you live, speak, and act for Jesus. Right? So many of us do that because we're like, oh, well, I'm going to lose my job if. What if the Lord actually blesses you for being willing and obedient, right? Do you believe that? When you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. You'll know his presence and his rest. But we're, we want to eat of the good of the world. We want our salary. We want our, our benefits package. We want our prestige with this job. And we're afraid to lose it when Jesus says, lose your life and you'll find it. Lose it and you'll find it. Guys, what worldly responsibilities are hindering you from living on mission for Jesus? That's what he's getting at here. He says, leave, leave uh, your love, leave your responsibilities, leave your, your livelihood. And he says, all men of valor among you shall pass over. Are you a person of valor? And this morning, can you say, I'm a person of valor who's going to live on mission for Jesus? You know, right after this book is a book called Judges. And so they get in the land, Israel messes up. Uh, and then they have these series of leaders called Judges that, that lead the people of Israel. And one of these is a guy named Gideon. And in Judges chapter 6, Gideon, the beginning, his, the beginning of his story is he is hiding out <laughs> in the darkness away from the enemy, uh, so that they can't see what he's doing, so they don't steal what he has. Ah, oh, that's such a picture of us as a church in our city. We're hiding who we are because we don't want people to judge us. We're hiding who we are because we know if we, we were, we were um, more like Jesus, that's really what it boils down to, right? If we were more like Jesus, more living out our faith, more vocal, more, you know, which, whichever it is, uh, then, then we won't get the promotion. Someone else will get, get it before we do, or, or whatever it is. And it's, this is Gideon. He's hiding out. He's scared. The enemy's there. He's like doing his thing in his wine press. And the Lord appears to him by a messenger, by an angel. And, and the Lord says to Gideon, 
He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. This is exactly the same message that, that God has given to the people of Israel here. The Lord is with you wherever you go. You're men of valor. You're people of valor. And he says this to Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, me? Like, he's like looking around like, who are you talking to? I'm here hiding out in this, in this wine press. Like, are you talking, you're talking to me? I'm not that. That is not me. And you may be thinking that this morning. Like, that sounds good for that person, but that's, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not a mighty person of valor. The exact same words he's using, right? And what God sees in Gideon, Gideon doesn't even see in himself. Right? But he sees something inside Gideon. And guys, as the church, do you know who is inside us? The Spirit of God. We are the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. We are the Holy of Holies. We are, we are the, the, uh, the altar where God's glory rests in the Old Testament. That's the church. That's us collectively. We are that. The Spirit is in us, and, and the Spirit, Paul says to Timothy, we don't have a spirit of fear or of timidity. We have a spirit of love, a spirit of power, a spirit of self-control, a spirit of discipline, of sound mind. Yeah, so get rid of the spirit of fear that is crippling you, enslaving you. If you want to live on mission, you have to walk forward in the spirit of power and of love and of discipline, and you have to rise up as a person of valor. And God is saying, I'm with you wherever you go. He's saying that to our church together. I'm with you wherever you go. Because we've said, as Moses said in Exodus chapter 33, God, you go before us. We don't want to go where you don't go. We're only going to follow you, God. As a leadership team, we, we say constantly, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus, we want to be like you, where you only do what the Father says. That's who we want to be. What the Father says, Jesus says, I do. I don't do anything else. I just do that. We want to be that type of people. And we can only live on mission in that way. So he says here, all men of valor go among you. Verse 15, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he's given to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession. And then you shall possess it the land that Moses, servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Guys, some of us are, you might, you might say, why? Well, I'm pretty solid in my identity in Christ. I'm pretty solid in my destiny in Christ. You may say, I think I know how I'm supposed to influence our city and the world, and I think I know how I'm supposed to be a part of, of this in the church. But you can't experience full rest until you've helped everyone else experience that. So if, you, if that is you, and that isn't a cause for you to be complacent and to rest and to relax. That's, that's a call for you to help other people discover their identity in Christ and destiny in Christ and to, in order to influence our city and the world. That's the mission. And he says here, yeah, I'm gonna do this real quick. Okay, let's... I was going to skip it in my mind, but let's, let's do this. Uh, so how do you do that? How do, you, how do we actually live on mission together as a body of believers? So three things. One is urgency. 
we have to have some urgency, guys. Uh, we've talked about this vision. Is this a, you know, 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants? Like, is this a 20-year vision? Is it a 50-year vision? Is it a five-year vision? What if we lived on mission like it was a one-year vision? Do we believe God can do something like that? What if we live like it was one year? What if, guys, Jesus says in the scriptures, he says, you're, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Focus on today. Paul says salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. Make the best use of your time, for the days are evil. James says you are but a mist, a vapor in this world. You can't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. We have to have some urgency, guys. People are dying and going to hell around us. Like, and, and we are one of the lights in our city to see people come to Christ, to see them have true hope and joy in their lives, to live the abundant life. And they're all around us, right? Most of us in this room, we have more non, non-Christian relationships than we do Christian relationships, right? God's placed you there with urgency to be a salt and light for them. You may be the only person in their life who knows Jesus. And so live with some urgency in that. Number two is unity. I already talked about this a little bit, but in, but in Numbers 32, the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, the, the tribe of Manasseh, and back, all the way back in Numbers 32, they threatened the unity of the body because they said, no. We're going to stay here on our side of the river. And Moses said, you brood of sinful men. You are not staying here. After we helped you here, you're going to help us there. Or you receive nothing. Yeah, so those words that Joshua is repeating, he's reminding them what Moses said to them. And, and so unity, guys, we have to have unity. Uh, number three, I have so much more to say on unity, too. But, but well, it will come out later. So number three, unction. <laughs> okay, so this word, even Google didn't recognize it. Um, kept on, it kept on changing it to function. I'm like, no, I want unction. <laughs> unction is, is a word that, that refers to divine authority and, and anointing, okay? And, and we have this unction from the Lord, this mission and this, and this vision. And you, might be, and you might be saying, well, what if this isn't from the Lord? And guys, I spent two and a half years asking the Lord if this is from the Lord. Because I kept on asking him, what if this isn't from you? <laughs> and what if, what if this isn't? And so let me reassure you. One, we're already doing this as a church. We've been doing it since the beginning. All we've done is give you handles for it to grab onto it, right? So a lot of these things we're, we've already been doing. Two, it's not contrary to scripture, okay? And then, and then three is, uh, so yeah, three is, Guys, you are deciding and committing to being part of something much bigger than yourselves. And three is just like, I'd rather do that than do nothing. So that's, that's why like, I know this is from the Lord. Vision, image, so unction. Uh, so let's, let's go finish up this passage here quickly. Verse 16, he says, And they answered Joshua, All that you've commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. 
If I'm Joshua, I'm like, really? Because I was there, and you didn't obey Moses in all things. And here they're declaring, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we'll do you. And if I'm Joshua, I'm like, that's a red flag. Because <laughs> they said the same thing to Moses, and they didn't do that. And they end up 40 years in the wilderness, and they all died off. This, this verse is a, is, it, we'll see through the rest of Joshua how this verse plays out. And then they say, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So that sentence kind of, kind of negates the lie they just declared, right? Because this is all the people now, not just the three tribes. This is all the people. And, and guys, they're very duplicitous here, right? They're very two-faced. They're like, yeah, we will do that, but we all know how the story plays out. They don't do that. They didn't do that, right? And, and here, so this next sentence says, at least they're saying this. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. At the very least, the people recognize that God is with Joshua. And Joshua, good news for him, he knows that the Lord's faithfulness does not depend on the people's faithfulness. Oof. Do you know that, that God's faithfulness does not depend on your faithfulness? He does not need you to accomplish his vision and his mission. He doesn't need me. He's faithful when I'm faithless. Right, Paul writes that to Timothy. God will still remain faithful. And so just be faithful. That's all we're called to do, is to be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Walk forward in faithfulness. And God will be with you. And then verse 18, he says, Whoever, or they say, the people say this, Whoever rebels, and they're so zealous, they're so passionate, right? They're like, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall be put to death. Guys, they just pronounced their own judgment. <laughs> that's on them. Like, that's what happens throughout the rest of the book. They just pronounce their own judgment, because guess who disobeys? They do. Guess who rebels? They, they do. They just pronounce this death over themselves. They're so zealous, without any wisdom. They said, yes, whoever disobeys us. Guys, in, in the Old Testament, most of it is narrative. It's descriptive, not prescriptive, meaning it, it tells us what happened, not what should happen. Okay, so as we live out our mission, if you don't, if you don't do what the Lord says, we're not going to put you to death. Like, we're not, like, God isn't, God isn't going to do that. Um, so, but... There is a real consequence of not being faithful. And we see this through the scriptures. For those who aren't faithful, who step outside of God's vision and mission, who, those who aren't faithful, who, who, who go against, who go against uh, Joshua or Moses and say, you're not doing this and you are doing this and, and all this against Moses, like his own sister does it, his own brother and sister God says, no, you will not destroy the unity of the people. That is far more important to God than your own agenda. And so don't pronounce death on yourself. Don't pronounce judgment on yourself. Be careful with those words, guys. Be careful with that. We want to be zealous, but we want to have wisdom in this. 
and we want to live out this mission. And, and the funny thing is here, the people here, they're willing to kill for the mission of God to be accomplished, but were they willing to die for it? Were they willing to live for it? Jesus has called you to die to yourself. Are you willing to die for the mission of Christ? And you may say, well, yeah, I'm willing to die for the mission of Christ. I'm just not willing to die for that mission. Guys, that is the mission of Christ. Discovering identity and destiny in Christ, influencing our city and the world, is the mission of Christ. I may have wrote those words, but I didn't make up the content. That's Deuteronomy 4. That's Acts 1.8. That's Matthew 28, the Great Commission. It's just different words to give us different handles. Like, that is the mission of Christ. Are you willing to die for that? These guys are willing to kill for it, but they weren't willing to die for it. The cool thing about this is, guys, you're to be willing to die for it and to live for it. Paul says in Romans 12, we are to be living sacrifices. We're constantly giving ourselves over. This is a a constant, continual thing. We're constantly giving ourselves over to die so that we might live to the mission. This identity in Christ. He died for us. He died to himself by stepping out of heaven, by laying aside his divinity, by not, or sorry, theologically I want to say he's still fully divine, just to be clear, like Jesus is fully divine, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? And he stepped into full humanity and a sinful nature, and then he died for us on a cross. And he gave us purpose, and he showed us how to be salt and light and to influence That's the mission of Jesus. And so consider whether you're willing to die for that mission. Because that's what Jesus is calling you to this morning. Are you willing to die to yourself to live to Jesus? That's identity in Christ. Commit to Christ today if you want your identity in Christ. Are you willing to, to die and live to Jesus and commit to mission? That's destiny in Christ. Are you willing to die to yourself and commit to vision? And that's how we influence our city and the world as a church, as a collective body. Only be strong and courageous, he says. The Lord is with you wherever you go, and we are people of valor. Come out of the darkness and into the light, and let's do that as a church. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is just true and faithful and exhorting and, and cutting, and it is uh, just a sword to our soul. And you taught me so much through this for, for myself. And what am I willing to give my life for? What am, I, what am I willing to die for? What am I willing to humble myself for? And so, Lord Jesus, make us a church who is defined by dying to ourselves because we are living to you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon. Thank you.